You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, sir, people, the time of the evening where we join our very own Ibrahim Varachia on his segment, uh, which is a Travel Express. Ibrahim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening? Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Shafat, and the listeners out there to Radio Marcus Sahaba. Alhamdulillah, it's a lovely evening, and uh, all is well, by the grace of Allah, of course. Yes, uh, Ibrahim, but a lot of uh, articles I see. I see there's an article on Zapingo Beach, and they say, oh, I don't know if you read it, I send it to you, and they talk about, uh, you know, it's becoming like another Clearwood, and a lot of uh, trucks are coming through, and I think the UIP has been mentioned there, where the UIP is doing a sterling job, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the people are turning Zapingo Beach into a truck city, and the residents are not getting joy out of it, and the Metro Police are actually failing to take control of uh, these truckers and uh, so forth. What's your views? What's going on there, Ba? Yeah, thanks for sending that to me and sharing that article with me. I think, uh, I'm not sure who the gentleman is from the Sapingo Beach community. Yasin Khan. Uh, Yasin Khan is in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah but uh, I, 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 you know, the name rings a bell. It is possible that we did meet with him. CPF. Because, He's uh, of the CPF. Keen on setting up setting up a UIP in Isipingo Beach, which of course uh, abuts the uh, Isip- uh, I mean the prospection precinct area that we've just set up since last year. Now, it's a bit of a, how shall I say, miscommunication insofar as him saying that uh, the, the UIP is somehow responsible for the additional uh, transfer of uh, trucks from the prospecting area to their area. I'm not sure exactly where on the Avenue East uh, these people are now parking off, but as you know, you being a resident of the area, you know that there is literally no parking space in the entire uh, prospecting area. The thing is, what we had uh, decided insofar as, uh, uh, the, you know, the uh, short, medium and long term uh, plan for this, because there is, uh, you know, uh, it's a heavy industrial area and it's just unfortunate that it is the boundary is contiguous with uh, the place that you all live in, the Sapingo Beach. Now, by no means have we uh, sort of allocated any space or given any permissions that are not uh, within our control for truckers to park anywhere else. What we have uh, discussed and decided is that we will engage with the city at some stage. Because if you look going towards the police pound and... Uh, Further, uh, further areas going north uh, towards what used to be the old airport. There's lots of vacant land there, and the thing is, we were thinking, you know, a medium and long term to engage with the city to get uh, some of that land and make a proper trucking stop, you know, because the people come there, there is no parking, they are under pressure to drop off their stuff and load again and move off. So it does uh, complicate matters. It causes untold traffic jams and uh, clear out robots and pavements and uh, manhole covers, etc., etc. But by no means uh, is the UIP responsible in any way whatsoever for what uh, the gentleman is claiming. You know, on the contrary, we are trying to get them off the streets of Prospecting and Avenue East being the main arterial that goes to your place. Uh, we are trying our level best to do it, but it is uh, a thankless job, of course, because the truckers have got their duties to perform the uh, the uh, industry around there is demanding that they have the ability to load and offload. So it has been that way for more than 30, 40 odd years. And for them to say that suddenly it's because of the precinct setup that that is happening, I think is uh, uh, misinformed. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we are sympathetic and we hear exactly what the gentleman is saying. 
And uh, trust me, we will instruct our patrol uh, vehicles and our um, uh, services managers over there to ensure that they try and keep that area as clear as possible. What happens exactly in uh, the Isipingo Beach Precinct, of course, I cannot uh, speak for that on our behalf because we are not active there yet. But what I can tell you is that if there's going to be anything that's happening in our industrial precinct that is... Uh, negatively impacting traffic flow, et cetera, and congestion and all that, then obviously we will have our people out there talking to these guys and making such that they cause uh, the least amount of headache to your people. Uh, Jazakallah khair for that, uh, Ibrahim. By knowing they asked you, to, uh, gentlemen, that you are, and uh, that you know you have, you cross your T's and you dot your I's, and Alhamdulillah, yeah, and you and I see eye to eye. So when I read that, I said, no, man, my Ibrahim Bar will definitely give a rebuttal to this, and it's a, a bit of a, like a info a misinformation. But Jazakallah khair for clearing that up, Ibrahim Bar. And then we look at our G. If I might just add, look, uh, the gentleman has. Uh, many, uh, what's the name, uh, legitimate complaints, and that's all related to service delivery. And if you look at the photograph that accompanied the post, you'll see the whole road is full of water in one one sort of depression over there. And coupled with the fact that, yes, we've been battling ongoing, trust me, it's been an ongoing battle, not just in the prospect and uh, precinct, but in both. It's a pingo uh, CBD, the rail, Lotus Park, Orient Hills, and not to talk of the industrial precinct and, of course, on your end in the beach area. Every day there's some drama going on. If it's not the electricity, it's the water. If it's not the water, it's the sewerage and so on and so forth. But what I can uh, tell you is that uh, we we approach the highest uh, authority in the municipality. And we've just set up last week uh, 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 an, a group that is dedicated to the provision of electricity where... The head of uh, the electrical department are all in on the conversation as well as everyone who's anyone in the industrial precinct to try and, uh, you know, keep the people informed as opposed to leaving them in the dark. And that way it alleviates uh, the pressure and the misgiving or the, uh, you know, misperceptions that form in the people's mind. Because what must be understood and appreciated by is that they have a business to run. I mean, Toyota Motor Corporation is not a small uh, Mickey Mouse thing. It's a huge operation and all those industries that feed into it are all compromising so far as their productive capability and uh, of course the the cost implication when machinery has to be shut down when production lines need to be shut down so we've done that already and uh, thank god everyone is now having a better understanding and direct from source where they can tell them look you can expect uh, your power to resume at certain hour and hopefully it comes on as opposed to them flooding us with the request uh, or such and we are not uh, unfortunately the municipality and not in a position to tell them exactly what's happening next now point taken and uh, yasin makes uh, many valid points indeed and uh, you know being a, i think he's the head of the cpf of uh, this area so alhamdulillah full marks to him but uh, you know when i read the uip thing i thought there was a, a misunderstanding there but jazakallah uh, anyway ibrahim ba and as we get in our topics and we notice that uh, we start off over the, you know, South Africa, the rich, they opt for Mauritius. And um, for Mauritius, as a no inheritance tax fuels a property boom for South African buyers. And they're buying off Mauritius left, right and center, Ibrahim Ba. Yeah, what can I say? I mean, for anyone who's been to Mauritius or watched uh, any sort of videos or anything on Mauritius, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, 
a lot of people call it paradise on earth, but then I don't think they have any knowledge or indication as to what paradise might be. Uh, oh, so much for that. But yeah, the idyllic white sandy beaches, the blue lagoon, the turquoise water, and most importantly in this context, the lack of inheritance tax. So uh, that is one drawcard that is bringing in a whole flood of money and investment into the uh, island of Mauritius. And whilst it's a, a destination that's much loved and preferred by uh, high net worth individuals in search of seclusion, you know, it is it is more appealing for South Africans because it's just, what, a four-hour flight from Sherbrooke? Uh, Right, on the East Coast, and uh, this was formerly a Dutch, French, and British colony, mind you. And uh, more and more people are starting to invest there because uh, even though foreigners were banned from buying properties in Mauritius until late 2002, uh, when the government rolled out the IRS, which is the Integrated Resort Scheme, basically what you do is if you in invest uh, upwards of 375 US dollars that uh, what uh, translate to about 7 million in our rands. Uh, you've got to invest it into a, a property development, especially for luxury residents or hotels on the top end. Now, uh, this uh, property investment has been the main source of investment, direct investment between 2014 and 2022. Some a staggering amount of get the 63.3 billion Mauritian rupees, which translates to 25 billion rands, or roughly 40% of all inflow into Mauritius was purely related to property investment. And last year alone, property sales have pushed uh, capital inflows to Mauritius to the tune of 25 billion rupees. So uh, it bears truth insofar as what the statement you made. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, the Kersner International, that's uh, South Africa and Durban's own uh, sort of Kersner's group. Uh, they developed, of course, the Atlantis the Royal. Now, that's in another league of its own in Dubai. And they're not getting left out on the action. And they are now investing 1.8 billion rand in a new development on Mauritius' east, eastern coast. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, prices there are, of course, going to be staggering from uh, uh, running into the millions of rands, you know, and I don't know if uh, anyone is going to be able to afford it, but uh, I'm sure those that are well healed will, will snap up. And this has got a nine-hole golf course as well. And uh, for the two-bedroom unit, right, you can pay uh, $2.8 million, that is 51 million rand, or... or the seafront-facing villa, you can cough up something like 14.4 million. So this is way in the stratosphere, and I don't think uh, many people like me and you can even uh, consider looking at that. But anyway, it's, it's there for the uber-rich, the ones who have all the money and feel that they'd like to uh, you know, splash out and that they can do it. Uh, of course, there are other uh, developments there, like the Heritage Villas and uh, Villa Charlotte, that are adding another, what, 192 million and 13 billion rupees, respectively, and all direct investment. And uh, this is being encouraged. And uh, South Africa is uh, is making more and more of mark in this uh, in this uh, sector of the, the market. And uh, whilst France historically was the main source of bias, uh, the recent past has been showing, uh, you know, growing numbers of South Africans looking to invest and of course relocate to Mauritius and the split now is 30% French, 30% South African 
uh, 15% from UK and I reckon the remaining 25% is a mix of locals and people from uh, the other parts of the world. Uh, however, having said that, while developers have been putting up these increasingly lavish properties for sale, the market is also expanding and demand has moved uh, lower toward more practical and safe investments in the mid-range market. And that ranges from between 300 to 750,000 US dollars. And uh, exactly, Mauritius is booming in that sense. Yeah, if you look at Mauritius, it's a, quite a tiny island, uh, but a very popular, uh, you know, holiday resort. Uh, many of the Indians are love going to the Indian Ocean to Mauritius. But uh, uh, Dubai surpasses anyone and everyone as a uh, tourist destination, as then as a destination for those that take the loot and run, Ibrahim Ba. Yeah, that's, that's no maybe. But the thing is, at the end of the day, this is what we're talking about. Uh, you know, the destinations cannot be compared. Of course, uh, Dubai is all uh, high finance, glitz and glamour and everything uh, conceivable that could be imagined or made by man is happening over there ahead of anywhere else in the world. Mauritius on its own is this natural beauty, seclusion, island, the island life, you know, just to take it easy. So, yeah, Dubai is the king right now. But uh, again, it's a question of uh, what are you looking for at the end of the day? If you want peace, tranquility and, and you know, a nice, quiet, relaxing life, then you take uh, Mauritius as an option. If you want uh, the hustle and bustle of city life, then, of course, uh, Mauritius, uh, Dubai is your answer. You know, Ibrahim Ba, I don't know, there's something about me from a young man, you know, I, uh, all right, I went to these destinations and it never, ever appealed to me. And I don't know what was, everyone looked, you know, families and friends, hey, but what's wrong with you, Shaf? Why are you like this? I said, no, man, there's something different in me. And uh, maybe that man that wanted to be alone in his own cave of Hira, and I'm still like that, Ibrahim Ba. And, you know, uh, maybe you are a bit different. I'll be very serious of that. Uh, I mean, all right, I interact with many people in the course of a working day. However, I value that solitude very much, you know, and the thing is, are you comfortable being alone with yourself? And not many people are. They need to have that buzz going on around them and, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, a social butterfly of sorts and meeting with various people and things like that. It's a question of different struggles for different folks at the end of the day. Yeah, but uh, look, I guess if I went to, say, a big city like Johannesburg or even Dubai, uh, well, yeah, after a couple of days, uh, I'll be feeling, you know, I need to get out of there. And the uh, same goes for, you know, a, a, a resort that is secluded, like uh, Mauritius or uh, Seychelles or something. The thing is, how long are you going to stay there? It's a question of, you know, you've got to have a, a balance in your life insofar as how you are spending your time. Yeah, if you want to be a hermit and go and sit in your own cave and meditate, yeah, fine, that's good for you. But uh, I think uh, in this society, you know, the thing is, in Islam, there is no such thing as uh, a monkery as such, being a monk, right? And uh, we have to live and function in our society like the best of all creation. Our Prophet Muhammad Mustafa Sallallahu Alaihi did that he wore every every sort of uh, situation, ache and pain given to him by the people around him, and still he stood tall. So I think, uh, again, it's what you want out of life that matters. Yeah, I think both you and I are social beings. Uh, I mean, we being in the public eye. But I'm talking about the glitz and the glamour and all that goes with it. No, icona, never, ever for mm -hmm. me. Uh, give me. Give me that glitz and glamour, inshallah, in uh, 
Firdos when we are with our Maker, with our Creator, and that ayat of the Quran of Wajib Zul Jalal wal Ikram, where we see the countenance of our Creator. That is what Ibrahim Ba and I want, and I hope we all get that. You know, that's what I'm talking about, Ibrahim Ba. But uh, let's uh, moving home here. We talk about the airport. Uh, uh, you know, the airport company of South Africa. They, they it denies a new fuel arrangements and uh, seeks to bust uh, Russian sanctions. What's that all about, Ibrahim Ba? Uh, look, uh, I think uh, this is a storm in a teacup. Really, they're making a big story out of nothing. You know. Uh, Russophobia, if I can call it that, is the order of the day when people listen to uh, Western media and, of course, uh, the US, uh, UK, and the uh, other lackeys that are pushing that angle. Uh, what it is basically is that uh, because of sanctions that were placed uh, by the European Union and, and, and the US basically on Russia, right, purportedly because of the fact that uh, there's that... Uh, conflict in uh, Ukraine, of course, they will warp and spin everything out of sight. And just basically what must be uh, understood and what I want to mention here is nothing if not a U.S. NATO-led proxy war against Russia. And they're just using Ukraine as a proxy and, you know, basically cannon fodder. That's what they're using it because they simply don't have the guts to stand up and say, listen, we want to destroy Russia for our own good and this is what we are doing. Anyway, Getting back to the topic, uh, last year, two Russian planes uh, were not able to get the fueling uh, from large international fuel suppliers at the OR Tambo and Cape Town International Airport, simply because they claim they have to adhere to the company's uh, rules and policies and sanctions imposed on Russia by their uh, principal or uh, their head office in countries of their origin. So uh, basically what it is, and uh, for anyone who knows uh, how the system works, uh, you get a fuel company that provides jet fuel. Now, jet fuel is nothing special. It's just one degree above your power paraffin is what they use. It's not some high-octane stuff, no. But anyway, they uh, they refuse to, uh, to refuel this aircraft. So what AXA has done is they say, okay, fine. Uh, we have an agreement in place with these people that uh, you all supply the fuel and we'll have an independent uh, operator that's going to actually pump that fuel into the fuel tank of the aircraft. That's what it is and that is what the variance in the process is. Now they're making a big story out of it to talk about sanction busting and all, which is nothing of the sort. And uh, just to uh, underscore that, right, uh, this agreement that they have has been in place and dates back to 2020, long before the outbreak of hostilities in Ukraine. So it's not that, it's just being civil. And the thing is, what must be understood and appreciated, Bar, is that South Africa is also a full member of the BRICS group. So uh, this is something, mm. it's like me telling you, sorry, Shaf, I can't do this for mm. you because someone else is putting pressure on me, I can't handle it. That's nonsense. And uh, there's more pressure being placed on our domestic uh, fuel supply in so far as jet fuel goes. Uh, I'm not sure, but you would know that uh, refineries have been closing down left, right and center. And uh, of course, there is another agenda behind all of this. And domestically, we are only provide, uh, supplying 18,000 barrels of jet fuel per day when the av- annual average consumption is approximately 40,000 barrels a day. So there is a net deficit of 22,000 barrels every day that's going to be imported and somebody's going to be making money and, and you know playing the game with the supply. So, uh, 
that is the story basically and uh uh you know before any aircraft can enter south african airspace you've got to get permission from the department of transport right and of course there are bilateral air service agreements and such between countries or, and specific foreign operators uh, who have permits so, so it's that's uh, nothing but a storm in a teacup that everyone's making out you know sensationalizing the whole thing Zakala for that, Ibrahim. And keeping on that topic of AXA, we also see that AXA uh, uh, to tighten safety measures at OR Tambo uh, Airport, uh, to tighten safety measures at uh, OR Tambo after a grass fire. Hey, who put the fire on the grass, Ibrahim? <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, boy, you know, you know the high felt what it is like. Huh? And uh, this happened in September, okay, last uh, last year. And I would think just coming off of the uh, tail end of winter and moving into early spring, when uh, uh, grass fires broke out adjacent, adjacent to the airport premises during windy and dry con- conditions, you know how dry that grass can get. And just it takes just a spark and off it goes. Anyway, there was a big story about it. They say uh, they investigated it but couldn't identify uh, exactly what caused it. But what they say is at some point the wind direction changed and the fire started spreading toward the Danel. There is that uh, weapons manufacturer that is on the far side of the airport, if you have any memory on landing there and seeing it on the side over there. And uh, unfortunately, a few non-operational aircraft stored at that facility caught fire. And uh, while they tried to get the uh, emergency services out there, they were already out on another call. And it took a little while before access fire and rescue unit brought the thing under control good thing is that no injuries were sustained and after the probe and this is again basic stuff uh brother shafat i mean if you are looking out for uh uh an operation the size of uh or campbell and the airport and surrounds uh fire protection measures that they said needs to be improved with the establishment of fire breaks and then they should have technical fire investigation units and well-trained staff, which is a norm. And uh, call-out responses should be, you know, uh, made such that when, when they have a call-out, they are there swiftly. And uh, maintenance of non-operational areas, that means those areas that are around the runways, taxiways, and uh, they need to be improved, especially with regard to illegal dumping, clearance of uh, vegetation and habitat management, for instance, and of course the eradication of wild uh, alien trees that are growing in the midfield. And last but not not least, uh, security measures such as fencing, physical security, and operational security around the airport needs to improve. I mean, that would have been the first basic thing, in my opinion. Yes, Ibrahim Ba, then uh, we look at our RAND. Hey, our RAND's been playing yo-yo long time. Now it slumps uh, to its worst level ever. And one say it is going to go to 19 RANDs to the dollar. Hey, they're playing with us, Ibrahim Ba. And soon there'll be no RAND, there'll be no brands in this country. It, it will be fully captured. And you know by whom, Ibrahim Ba? Yeah, of course. And this is the way they play the game, right? And uh, who's to say that... One rand, one one unit of my currency is worth fourteen, fifteen, or even nineteen of yours. Who's to say that? Okay, we are the ones that are sitting with all the mineral wealth and and other natural resources. They don't have much, right? And they take everything from you and they turn it into manufactured goods, charge you a arm and a leg for it, and tell you that listen, 
you don't know how to run your country, which of course in this case is a fact. And uh, that is why your money is worth nothing. Anyway, the fact that we have been grey listed, uh, for those who don't know what grey listing, listing is, is, uh, is a financial action task force, FATF. Okay, and it's an international body that sets standards to combat money laundering and terrorist financing. Now, if we are all agreed on the fact that the biggest terrorist on earth is the United States of America and their cohorts, then they are the ones that are doing the biggest money laundering via all the alphabet agencies, etc., etc. And uh, they know all the tricks of the trade because they, like you know, there was that uh, BICC scandal in Dubai sometime and other banks that are set up purely for the uh, laundering of money. They don't talk about that, but the fact that we are here, and, and of course, we deserve it to a certain extent because of, of, of all the shenanigans that's going on there, talking about the state capture, the Gupta sending out 50 billion rands in such a short space of time, etc., etc. So what they have said by grey listing South Africa is that, hey, if you are looking to invest, an international investor, if you are looking to invest in South Africa, be very careful because their money laundering and terrorist financing is not up to scratch. Of course, wherever the grey listing takes place, it automatically leads to uh, investors being more wary and uh, sort of uh, looking to place their investments elsewhere as opposed to a country that has this grey list, listing. So that is where we are at. And of course, the fact that our economy is in shreds. I mean, ESCOM, as you know, all the disclosures recently by uh, the CEO, Andre Dereta, and everything else that's going there. The sentiment is really, really negative and against everything that is good in the country. And so I don't think the government has any uh, answer that can be truly, honestly believed at face value. And uh, I know uh, the uh, discontent is rising in the, in the populace out there. But uh, yeah, there is a chance that it uh, could go to nineteen dollars in the uh, nineteen rand for the dollar in the coming days. But uh, again, the final experts, financial experts, believe that uh, towards the end or the second half of 2023, it should come back to around the 1750 mark. So uh, no good news, uh, unfortunately, brother Shapat. And uh, this is a common thread in our history that's been ongoing. And uh, it's going to hike, this great listing is going to hike the cost of doing business in South Africa because obviously if you are going to come into a country that is dodgy in that sense, financially speaking, then you've got to do more due diligence, you know, before you can invest. And of course, that comes with a price by the people that do that for you. And uh, also, South Africans sending funds offshore and transacting with international banks may find the going more onerous. So. Yes, Ibrahim Bob, when we chat, our time flies. It's uh, that time uh, of the evening where we're going to bid each other, you know, uh, farewell. But uh, your parting words before I let you go? Yeah, tonight I'll talk to you about giving charity. If one giving charity only knew that his charity falls in the hand of Allah before the hand of the poor, the delight of the one giving would be more than the delight of the one taking. So when you're giving charity, look not at the tattered and torn rags that guys wearing disheveled hair, etc., etc. Remember, 
that you give me for this pleasure of Allah, and that is where it goes first before it goes to the recipient. Thank you so much for having me on today, and I hope I added value to your life and the life of our listeners out there. Jazakallah khair, Ibrahim Bhai. You really did have a blessed evening. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you once again. Yes, and I'd like to thank Alu for top engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I till we meet you again, we bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.